Today's episode of Kobe and the Hustlers, we're speaking to co-founder and COO of Nivora, Vic Arulchandre. Nivora is a regulated financial technology company offering the entire middle and back office technology to investment banks and other financial services intermediaries for the end-to-end -end issuance and administration of financial instruments. Nivora executed the world's first end-to-end -end automated financial instruments during 2017 and 2018 through the clearing systems and also issued the world's first legally compliant cryptocurrency-dominated financial instrument entirely cleared and settled on the public blockchain. Nivora are one of the only companies in the world in JP Morgan's in-residence incubator and are entrepreneurs in-residence at Magic Circle law firm Allen & Overy. They've also been involved in several recognized accelerators, including Microsoft Accelerator. Today, we're going to find out why we invite him on the show, talk about all things blockchain and cryptocurrency, and other interesting stuff he's working on and involved. Hi Vic, and welcome to the show. Hi Kobe, thanks for having me. No problem, how's your day been today? Uh, tiring day. You uh, just come off a flight this morning from? I was in Madrid for about four days for work. Uh, got in very early in the morning, had to work, then had to come into work early as well, so long day. Long day, no, fair enough. Okay, super. So on our show, we like to start off with some random, serious, but also funny quick-fire questions, just to get everything started, get everything settled. So you ready? Yep. Let's go. Lamb cotrotti or lamb briani? Oh, cotrotti. What kind of animal would you be and why? Oh, a dove. Why? Um, they're pretty, they're intelligent, and they can fly anywhere they want. Fair enough. Are you an iPhone or Android man? Android. Would you rather be an investor or an entrepreneur? Ooh, um, I will go with entrepreneur, but it is a tight one. Okay. Are you a calling person? Do you take calls or are you more of a text person? Depends. <laughs> okay. You see $10 million in your bank account. What do you do tomorrow? Invest it. <laughs> in what? Nivora. <laughs> Good. Fair enough. Fair enough. Super. Okay. So Vic, tell me, how's your 2018 going? Um, it's been a good year. Uh, it's had its ups and downs, but things are really good for us at the moment. Um, so I can't complain. Okay. So let's get things started. So tell me a bit of a brief overview on your career to date. Like, tell me what's got you to being COO of Nivora. Right. Um, I wish I knew, to be honest. Um, so I, yeah, I nearly flopped out of secondary school. Um, I had good grades in my first year and second year was quite bad. So I got into a university through clearing um, and that wasn't so great, but I managed to get into a, a decent mathematics course. Um, I didn't enjoy it. So it was three years of a math degree that I didn't like. But when I was about to graduate, the 2008 recession hit. And when the recession hit, I knew that I'm, I'm in trouble, I won't be able to get a job, especially with my grades. So it was kind of over the last part of the third year. Um, I managed to do really well in my um, third year dissertation. And then the head of the maths department actually read that and he liked it. And he, he offered me a position to do a PhD with a scholarship. And for me at that time, I thought this was magic, this was brilliant. Uh, I was the luckiest person in the world and I took the offer up. And so I started doing a PhD in pure and applied math. 
Um, a couple of years went by, it wasn't going really well, I wasn't enjoying it. And I started to panic, I thought, what am I going to do if this doesn't work? What am I going to do if I stay in academia? So I also, during the last year of my PhD, I also trained to be a quantitative analyst in finance. So somebody that creates financial models, somebody that goes into an investment bank and works on you know, mathematical problems. Um, so yeah, I managed to finish my PhD in the end. Uh, I decided not to stay in academia. I went into banking. I wasn't in banking for too long, so I spent about two and a half years to three years altogether. In the meantime, I spent a lot of time working with startups. So I wanted to learn more about technology. I wanted to understand what is innovation, what is entrepreneurship, what are these startups doing. So I went to, uh, there was a place that opened in London called Google Campus. Mm -hmm. So Google wanted to start pushing entrepreneurship in the UK. And I ended up going and sitting in their cafe every now and then and just talking to the startups. And they were really good. They started showing me you know, what they're doing. I started to learn a bit of front-end development. I could already code um, other things, but I didn't know front-end development. And that was really my first window into the world of startups. Cool. And then I realized I want to create something. I want to be a part of something. I wasn't really sure what. Yeah. So I was kind of hovering between investment banking and technology. Um, and that's really what led me onto Navora. Oh, super. So, as you said, led you into Navora. So tell me, tell us about Navora and what exactly is Navora disrupting? Right. We started the company about three, almost three years ago now, but we officially incorporated about a year and a half ago. We were working for a small company in the UK. They basically wanted to access more money, so they wanted to access the investment banking capital markets. But they found it was very difficult. It was very costly. It was very difficult to understand who should do what. And it was just a very big wall for them. At that time, we were working in banking. We had a lot of the expertise around technology, but we didn't really have so much expertise about the business side of the investment banking. But we managed to work with that small company. We helped them to actually create a financial instrument and issue it and raise a lot of money from the capital markets. Sure. But along that journey, we realized how super difficult it is to get into the sort of primary market of investment banking, yeah. uh, how small to medium-sized companies around the world face ma massive challenges. And we just thought to ourselves, we need to do something about this. We need to create a company that solves this problem. And that was really what you know, the beginning of Nivora was born there. It was us thinking we need to replace the way investment banks work so that they can do things cheaper for small to medium-sized businesses. Mm -hmm. And since then, the company has evolved to the, to the stage that we're at now, where we are a, a regulated financial institution in the UK. We have the permissions to be an investment bank, but we're focusing on providing technology to the investment banks yeah, yeah, and yeah. telling them to do things in a more efficient and cost-effective way. Yeah, no, I've been watching the your, shall we say, Navora stock value rise over the last maybe, what, year and a half? Year, maybe a good 12 months, definitely. Yeah. And I've seen the noise you guys are making. I think it's phenomenal. I believe that you guys are onto something, and I hope that it catches, like, it's like spreads like wildfire. Thank you. Um, kind of thing. So good luck with that. I think I, I know that it's, it's really going in the right direction. So well done on all the hard work for you and the whole team. Um, so we mentioned obviously previously that Nivora um, issued the world's first legally compliant cryptocurrency dominated financial instrument, 
completely cleared and settled on the public blockchain. Blockchain being a buzzword, you know, every man is dog currently right now are experts in blockchain, everyone's got a Bitcoin, you know, etc. Tell me what is a blockchain? Or can you tell me that? Because um. it's such a kind of a weird, uh, yeah. everyone's got a different explanation. Well, what is a blockchain? I can give a very, very, very oversimplified short version. And the oversimplified short version is exactly what we're looking for. It's basically a record of who owns what in terms of assets and money. And that record is distributed over many different computers. And when one record is updated, all the records will be updated and they can't be tampered with. Sure. Um, so this is essentially what a blockchain is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it kind of goes hand in hand with what cryptocurrency is and what cryptocurrency is, what it works on, as in the blockchain. So the whole cryptocurrency phenomenon over the last you know, couple of years, um, what's your kind of thoughts on cryptocurrency, where it's going currently? You know, Bitcoin's been up and down. It's currently, I don't know if you want to call it down at the moment, but, you know, it's, it's you know, it, everyone's still talking about it. It's still a big buzzword across the across financial markets, even the average Joe is talking about crypto. Yeah. Um, what's your thoughts about the position of cryptocurrency right now um, and the future of it? I am pro-Bitcoin and a couple of other cryptos. I think that definitely this is something new and something which has the potential to change the way we do business. More than technology, this is more of a, a social evolution. It's really the combination of how social, you know, how people behave using this kind of technology and this cryptocurrency, which is something new and something with, that people are trying to understand still. Um, everybody has an opinion about this kind of stuff. I, I try not to speculate too much. Yeah, prices are going up and down. Cryptocurrency is very new. People don't really understand it. People are trying to make money. Yeah. Uh, personally, my view is I'm holding some cryptocurrency for the very long term. I'm holding for when... I hope one day I'll be able to actually use it to purchase goods and services. Yeah. But I think that there is a very optimistic outlook about potentially currencies going onto a blockchain in the future. So mm -hmm. for example, GBP on a blockchain, USD on a blockchain. These are very real possibilities. These are things that central banks and regulators are looking at right yeah. now. They're experimenting with it right now. And we can see as Navora uh, a future where Clearing systems are using tokenized, um, you know, cryptocurrency, national currencies. Mm -hmm. So you're just waiting for the Bank of England to give you a call, really, to say, "Can you do this for us?" <laughs> Potentially, one day. Yeah, I think the Bank of England are—they're funny characters. So they've been looking at this for a long time now. Be careful um, what you say about the top dog at the uh, Bank of. Exactly. Yeah. He's a Canadian, and yeah. we've got a lot of Canadian listeners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, they're, they're doing really well. I think the Bank of England are more progressive than many of the other central banks, especially considering the sort of sensitive position they in, they're in as a global you know, central bank. They're doing quite well to investigate this and to try and push more investigation in the UK, um, but the jury is out mm. for, for another few years at least. Sure. Okay. So going away from Navora, um, you know, how, how do you, stay motivated every day? What drives you? Good question. I, I know what drives me. Um, I love my job. I love what I do. Um, 
I love learning new things, interacting with the people in, that I do, and that really gives me a purpose. And that purpose, you know, it helps me to stay motivated. Mm -hmm. um, throughout my life, I've suffered with lack of motivation. You know, not being too happy most of the time. And it's been very difficult, but I think at the moment the purpose really is is my motivation. Mm -hmm. um, if I didn't have that purpose, I'm not sure how I would be motivated. Yeah. But I think for me it stems from the desire to want to learn more and to want to work with really, really intelligent people. Yeah, yeah. having good people around you, intelligent people around you, um, and obviously working in such an interesting space exactly. is definitely quite, must be motivating. Every day must be a cool, different day for you. Super uh, stressful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, very, mean, very stressful. I'm but sure I love you feed it. off it, though. Yeah, yeah most yeah. of it. No, um, so tell me, what's, what are you most proud of um, on a personal level? Like, what you've achieved or what you've done? What's your, what are you most proud of? It could be charity. It could be what you've done with Vora. What are you most proud of? don't know. Don't know. I don't know. Okay, what's what in the sense of um, I don't, achievements I don't. in Navora? Um, what do you what do what do you feel that the best achievement you've done to date with Navora? I think we may have touched upon it. And you might be talking about that again. But uh, what what do you what's your current? To be honest, I think the biggest achievement is that we're still live, and right. we still exist. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you asked me about what do I feel proud about. I don't really feel proud about anything at the mm -hmm. moment. I mm -hmm. don't really think we've achieved much. I think as a company to be alive today after the few years that we've had, this has been a super difficult few years, mm -hmm. but the fact that we're still alive and we're still here, that's for me is, uh, is as close to proud as I could be. It's an achievement in itself. Yeah. yeah no, that's... We're still in the game. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's a good, really honest answer. You know, I, I'm so glad you didn't say that, oh, we banked a check for like two million or whatever, that was my proudest moment. Uh, keeping it you know, really real in the sense of, it's a very difficult kind of journey for an entrepreneur or someone in a startup company when you are literally bootstrapping and you're probably living at home with your parents and all these type of things. So, you know, I think that's a great answer. And I think a lot of people will really kind of connect with uh, what you just said. So go on. So talking about what you've been proud of so far, what, paint us a picture. What do you see the next five years of your life looking like professionally? We'll go on to the personal bit in a second. <laughs> the next five, I mean, I'm taking it one day at a time. Yeah. Um, of course, I have a long-term vision of what I want to do. I think the next five years, I'm just really focused on making sure that Nivora grows and making sure that we achieve our individual targets and our team targets. Mm -hmm. I think it's very important to stay focused, to stay driven, and to make sure that we are constantly delivering on our promises and on what we say we're going to do. Yeah, yeah. And so my five-year target is basically to make sure that we continue delivering. Mm -hmm. um, you know, companies talk a lot, people talk a lot, but we don't. We do stuff, um, and really our results show it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that for me is very, very important. I've so learned. You want to keep doing that. That's the biggest thing I've learned. Yeah. I th one of the biggest things I've learned over my life is that you know anybody can talk, yeah. but doing stuff is the hard part. Of course it and is. And it takes a lot to do things and to produce results. Yeah. And I want to make sure that we keep doing that. Sure. No, that's a super answer. So professionally, where do you see yourself personally in the next five years? What do you, what do you see yourself in five years' time doing? Where will you be in life, etc.? I have no idea. No? Nah? I could be anywhere. I mean... 
you know, we're still in a you know, highly risky state with the company. Mm-hmm. Um, anything could happen over the next five years. I could be sitting in a plush office somewhere or I could be back to square one mm-hmm. trying to find a job. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Personally, I, you know, it's all very linked to the professional life. It is. It? I mean, it is very yeah. linked. Look, I mean, my, yeah. my day-to-day life is Navora. I'm married yeah. to Navora. I can't have a, much of a personal life. I don't see my friends that much, but they understand. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the people close to me, they understand what I'm going through and they sure. support it. And really, I don't, you know, everything is focused on Navora and it's difficult for me. I hope in a couple of years' time, I'll, you know, have a wife, have children, mm-hmm. be re- starting a family. Those are the things that I want in my life. But I want to make sure that I get to that stage with some kind of financial security, mm-hmm. some kind of business that generates an income without me having to be there. Mm-hmm. I want to give my children the things that my parents couldn't give me. My, mm-hmm. you know, our parents worked so hard. They came to a new country. They started businesses. Mm-hmm. They had to do things, you know, several different jobs that we don't have to do. Yeah. We're in a fortunate position where I can sit here and say, you know, worst comes to worst. I'll go home and my mum will cook me rice and curry tonight, if, <laughs> even if I lose everything today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, for me, gives me the strength to, to sure. want to exactly to want to do so much more, and to make sure that I give my children a lot more than I had because I owe that to my parents and to I owe it to you, mm-hmm. I owe it to everybody who came to this country, yeah, our community, exactly, of course, of course. As in the sacrifices that our community have made in the past, and I think previous uh, people that we've interviewed in the podcast have touched upon it. Really, is what drives us in our community because we've seen the hardship from our parents and and whatnot and we don't want their hard work to go to waste and I think I think that's a really sensible and a really important topic which I think um, translates to everybody in our community um, which is which is fantastic so you just said you're married to Navora so what do you do like to do to switch off hobbies what do you do in your spare time if you have any spare time you know what do you like to do I'm very boring. Um, I read a lot and I go to the gym and that's pretty much it. I wake up very early in the morning, I go to the gym, I get into work before everybody else on the train, I read. I don't really do much else. Every now and then I'll hang out with friends. Um, I do travel a lot for work at the moment, so I get to spend one or two days in another country every week or every two weeks, which is nice. Mm -hmm. But I'm mostly working. Uh, But I love my work. I enjoy it. It's great. It's you know, if I wasn't doing the work, I'd probably be reading something about this anyway. So <laughs> no, fair enough. No, that's cool. I think sometimes when you're in this kind of state of mind in your career, you're so focused on it, nothing really, you don't really switch off. So mm. um, no, good for you. So um, next question. Um, talking about books, what book would you recommend to entrepreneurs to read or people interested in wow. entrepreneurship? Wow. Um, I mean, to be honest, I don't even know what an entrepreneur is. It's such a, it's, I hate the word. <laughs> I hate the word. Yeah, That's I, why we use hustler yeah. for this podcast <laughs> series. Um, but it's, uh, but yeah, it's, for me, I think just talking about hating the word entrepreneurship and entrepreneur itself, it's such a broad word nowadays that's used, overused, shall we say. Um, but I think a lot of people, their first thoughts about entrepreneurship is like oh that's cool exactly and then for me personally I've read like I read a lot of entrepreneurs or businessmen and women's biographies to kind of just tap into their mindsets of what they went through to get to where they are Absolutely. and it's all very inspiring yeah. similar to like what you mentioned about parents etc it's always great to see people's hardships and get re- and just really strip everything back Absolutely. to see what they're all about um, so that's kind of those are the type of books um, yeah 
I like to read. But anything you'd recommend? There's a, probably a few books I'd recommend. I think um, in the podcast by Karen, he mentioned a few books that I completely agree with. I would add to that, I would say one must read is a book called The Innovator's Dilemma by Chris Denson. It's a very, very, very good book. Um, I like biographies and autobiographies. I like to understand how people have achieved things. It doesn't have to be in my field. Mm -hmm. I actually prefer reading about how people achieve things in different fields. Yeah. A couple of my favorite books include uh, Warren Buffett's biography. Yeah. And um, How I Lost My Virginity by Richard Branson. Richard Branson. Branson. That's, That's a classic. Yeah. It's a good read. It's, yeah, a, it's yeah. a fun read. Yeah, it's, it's, um, a, it's a very... I think that's probably one of the first books I actually picked up. Yeah. Because, and it's a very, even no matter what age you are, I think you can get it. Yeah, exactly. and you And it's written, I know this shouldn't have any, any bearing to do this, or would do with this, but he's dyslexic. But it's written in a way that is such a simplified form. Um, and that's why, I, I think I read it like in a matter of hours, because it's just some, a type of book that you're like, wow, this is so cool. Um, exactly. But yeah. No, and just to add to that, I don't, you know, I think learning how to create something and to build something, it doesn't have to be just a professional thing. There are, you know, you have to expand every aspect of your personality and every every aspect of your toolkit. Yeah. And there are loads of other things that people should be reading. If they want to be better, for example, in professional life, they have to also read things that improve them as people and individuals. Of course. And vice versa. You know, there's loads of other books that I read on an ongoing basis that are not professional related, they're more about self-development, you know, how to understand the things that you're doing, how to be self-aware and introspective. Those are as important and probably even more important than reading books about entrepreneurship yeah. itself. Yeah, of course. I think being an entrepreneur, it, you really do, as you mentioned, you, like there's so many different parts of life that you really need to kind of learn about, you know. Like being an entrepreneur, you really do have to be sociable. Some people aren't sociable, but they have to pick up a book to learn about yeah. how to network and how to pick conversations and get things out of conversations. That's and so, me. That's, that's <laughs> you. Oh, see, I'm the opposite, right? So I used to like network a whole room. Yeah. But like, I used to be the first one there and the last one there. And then I used to realize I spent far too much time talking about myself yeah. and actually learning from others. Yeah. So now I actually do this thing, which I, which, I, which I spoke to Karen about as well, which is find out who's in the room. And then pinpoint exactly who I'm going to speak to right. and the, what I want from each person. And that has worked a treat ever since. So it's a, it's a good, uh, good thing for me to... That's a good tactic. Yeah. I'm, I'm a raging introvert. So I'm happy to go into a room and stand in a corner and look at everybody. <laughs> uh, the difficult thing I have now is I spend most of my time in meetings. Yeah, yeah. And it's exhausting for me. I could be, you know, in, you know, the last two days in Madrid, I was literally in meetings about 10, 11 hours in the day. It's so tiring. Yeah, yeah it's exhausting. Um, yeah. So I think it's, yeah, I have to develop the skill of learning how to network, learning how to talk to people in meetings, you sure. know, learning how to be personable. And I'm still developing these skills, yeah, but I think yeah. it's very important to learn things that are complementary to how you are. Mm -hmm. It's good to identify your strengths, but if you don't work on those weaknesses, it's you won't develop a sort of a balanced personality and a balanced approach to life. Well, I'm sure soon, sooner rather than later, you're the person that's going to be picked out in a room and people are going to be like, I want to network with that guy. I want to, I want to, I want to speak to Vic. And they're going to be like <laughs> a whole little fan club around you uh, very soon. So next question, which is really about your journey as an entrepreneur. 
If you could have given yourself a piece of knowledge or some advice to when you first started, what would you go back and tell yourself? If you had a time machine, if you were Martin McFly and you were headed back in time, what advice would you give yourself? Oh, you've caught me out. Yeah. Not really sure. I never think about going back to the past and changing things. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. As in, I, 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 to be honest, I probably would. I'd probably say the same thing. But a lot of people say, "Oh, I wish I knew this back then." I tell you what. The one thing that I've learned the hard way: never be afraid to ask questions, even if people look at you funny, even if they treat you like you're stupid. And it's happened to me many, many times. And I've, you know, been put off by that. I've kept quiet, maybe not asked questions because I felt insecure lacking confidence but I realized that you have to just ask the questions and don't be worried about people thinking that you're stupid or thinking the worst of you if somebody thinks that that it's actually more of a reflection on them than it is on you mm. it's very important to I think come from a humble place and say I'm not sure about this I want to learn more so I'm going to ask a question because yeah, yeah. if you don't ask that question you're not coming from the, the humble enough place yeah, and you won't be able to learn yourself. exactly yeah. and you know many of the times you may ask a question and the other person doesn't actually know and they may pretend like they know but they don't know and they'll make you feel insecure about it. But yeah. I think that's probably the only thing I could really say to myself. I've made loads of mistakes and I still continue to make mistakes but I don't regret the mistakes I make. Of course, yeah. um, I just learn from them and I don't think, yeah, going back in time and telling myself not to make mistakes, I wouldn't, wouldn't be the person I am today. Very, yeah, that's very inspirational. Um, talking about inspiration, who inspires you? Good question. I think everyone normally says their parents, family. They do. <laughs> this kind of stuff. They do, yeah. But I, I have no problem with hearing that because it's... No, that's, that's all great. That's all fine. You know, my parents, inspire, <coughs> my parents inspire me in the sense of they worked really hard, right? They made loads of mistakes as well, but they worked really, really hard, especially starting a new life in a, a foreign country. That, for me, is inspirational. If my parents can do that, I can do a lot more. Mm. Um, in terms of people like out in the world, um, I think one person that inspires me is Elon Musk, of course. Uh, I think the guy's just amazing. He's chosen, you know, he made a lot of money in the internet business, and then he chose to create a company that sends reusable rockets into space. Yeah. yeah. Talk about a challenge. And yeah. he's not doing that for the money. He's doing that because he wants to change the world. Yeah. And I think that's unbelievably amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Elon I I is yeah. a cool character. He's, 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 yeah. Yeah. he's very cool. Um, yeah. I think another person that inspires me is a journalist who died a little while ago. Her name is Sue Lloyd. Yeah. Uh, she was um, a journalist, a British journalist, and she did a lot of work around investigative journalists, journalism and around sort of women's rights and things yeah. like that. And I don't want it to sound cliche, I'm talking about this, but I think just in terms of her general bravery, she went into very dangerous situations in order to uncover the truth. Yeah. And that for me is very, very important. Yeah. It's that I think nowadays a lot of this investigative journalism has been lost in the media, especially yeah. with people being able to blog, yeah. um, you know, kind of journalistic principles losing way a bit. Um, she is actually reading one of her books recently as well. It's been quite inspirational for me that somebody like her could actually be so brave. Mm -hmm. And why can't I be that brave? Yep. I should. I should be brave as well mm -hmm. so that's really inspirational she no, is an absolute fantastic inspirational person that you've actually mentioned and I think that's kind of a very you know an honest answer uh, regarding what 
and who inspires you and why they inspire you, which is a, a really good uh, kind of refreshing uh, look at things rather than, you know, saying your parents, which I'm sure they are inspirational, but naming entrepreneurs uh, as well. So fantastic that you named uh, Sue Lloyd, uh, a journalist, uh, was a journalist as well. Going um, forward, um, we're going to wrap up very soon. You're an active member of the UK-based Tamil Association of Professionals. And um, you see a lot of professionals that are in the corporate sector at the moment, but a lot of them are sniffing around entrepreneurship at the moment and making the leap into it. Why do you think that is? Why do I think it is? Yeah. I think they understand that they have the opportunity to do that. Um, yeah, there are a lot of people in the community who are starting businesses, who are trying to be innovative, trying to do things that they enjoy and make a living from it. And that's very admirable for me. They have the, op they have the ability to do this, right? We live in a country in the UK where you can make a decent living and you can create a business and you have the opportunity to create a business and make money from it. You have access to the internet, you have access to a network, you, you have parents who have a stable life at home. Yeah. You know, um, we're, in, we're in a very fortunate position that most of us, if things go wrong, we go back to our parents and they'll feed us. Um, and that allows us to actually try to do things more creative and entrepreneurial as well. So there's flip sides to the coin. Um, yeah. But I think, yeah, we have the ability and the opportunity and I think as a people, because of all the things that have happened over the last sort of 50 years, I think, it's been a long time, um, it's kind of been instilled in us to create something, to create businesses and to survive. Yep. Uh, and I think that's very, very important. Brilliant answer. <laughs> really is a brilliant answer. So my final question, which I wrap up every single podcast, uh, is very simple. What advice would you give to other hustlers out there? Well, I don't feel like I'm in any position to give advice at all. Um, I need advice. If people You're have advice. Hustler. You are a hustler. You just, you know, you work hard, you play hard, you are in and out of the country, and you're doing this because of the love of what you do, your work at the moment. So, what would you give? As as being, you are a hustler. What advice would you give someone? Um. Okay, I could say one thing, and it would probably be a little bit long-winded. It's very important to never give up. I think grit and determination is a very important thing. But I think it's more important to be in a humble place and be determined. It's important to see things truthfully and honestly, and we need to build a structure around us to enable us to do that. We need people who can help us see reality as it is. Because I think if you're creating a business and you're trying to do something new, and you're not really coming from a very, very humble place, and you're not really seeing things as they really are, that could distort your reality and distort the way you're approaching business. And I've seen so many people fail in creating companies because they've been stubbornly pursuing something without changing their plans a bit when things don't work, um, without changing you know, the market maybe that they're going mm -hmm. into. So it's, it's a difficult <clears throat> one. On the one hand, yeah, you need to be very determined and very gritty and persevere even when everybody tells you this is not going to work. But you also have to be humble enough to understand and to realize that when it's not working, maybe you do need to change yourself. Yeah. Maybe you need to recognize that, okay, you're going into the right direction, but your approach is slightly different. Yeah, face facts and need yeah. to change, pivot if yeah. need be. Yeah. Exactly. And that's really difficult. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really, really difficult. It's an ongoing process um, and it's, uh, yeah, it's very tough. And I would say that's probably one of, the, one of the things I would say 
Um, yeah. And I'm still learning myself, so, you know. No. I think we, we all learn until the day we pass, really. Right. I think we're, we're non-stop going to always continue to learn. So, Vic, I have to thank you very much to take time out on this very busy day. I hope you enjoyed it. It wasn't too uh, hard. No, it was fine. <laughs> Great. <Thanks>. Fantastic. <laughs> Could be uh, harder. <laughs> No, thanks again, and thank you every everyone for listening in. Um, next week is our last podcast of the series, where we are interviewing renowned entrepreneur and filmmaker Nelson Sivalingam, uh, who's CEO of How Now. That's going to be a fantastic podcast. So tune in in two weeks for the next podcast. So thanks again, Vic. Thanks, Kobe. Thank you, everybody, and thanks everyone for listening. Take care, and see you guys on the next podcast. What a life to live.